And here we go. Welcome to episode, it's actually episode 61, a special edition of Stick to Hockey Live. You see him right there. It is one and only Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you? I am definitely doing well. How about you? We got one to go. 81 down, one to go. Yes. Home home schedule is done. Uh, Oddly enough, been finished hockey 500 at home, which tells you what the road record's been like. Yeah. Um, So they'll wrap it up tomorrow in Chicago. But this is an episode, Bill, you and I look forward to all season, every season. I think this is the third or fourth year that we have welcomed you and I we joint tandem have a great honest and deep dive conversation with TSN's Craig Button and he is going to join us momentarily your thoughts oh uh, for, for anything I mean anything related around the league but especially scouting and drafting stuff uh, yeah. I, I love just kind of picking Craig's brain and then hearing hearing his perspective and you know as, as you know craig's a guy with some strong opinions and uh there's always there's, a, there's, always, there's always rationale behind them too so yeah def, definitely something i look forward to uh i feel like i learned something every time every time we talk to him so yeah and and craig every time he comes on tends to make news <laughs> <laughs> there's always stories written about his appearances on stick to hockey live so i can't wait to and I'm I'm so grateful that, you know, he, he doesn't do a lot of podcasts. So I'm grateful that he, he joins us every season and it's become kind of a tradition. And I love his energy and he's just a good hockey man. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, but, Bill, let's talk about Owen Tippett before, <laughs> before yeah. Greg gets on. Because, man, did you see last night? Uh, he went Marshawn Lynch beast mode on the first goal. Yes. And then the second goal in overtime, again – but the first one, he finished in tight with a uh, great snipe. Exactly what, yeah, exactly what we've been talking about. Taking, yeah. taking the puck to the net, and the way, the way he pulled it backhand to forehand. Actually, actually, he went, he went uh, backhand forehand in both goals last night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just seeing, seeing the combination of his, uh, uh, of his elusiveness, and uh, his sheer power too. It was, you know, the power forward. With speed, I mean, and then to have the finish too. That that was just that was sweet. That that looked like you know that looked like a guy's hopefully down, you know, hopefully in the very near future, at least a thirty goal, if not more. Guy, that was that was great. Yeah, I see thirty-five to forty potential there. If he's on a team that's got a really good power play, then I see yeah. thirty-five to forty because he'll eat there too. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, it was also nice for to, to get a power play goal from him. Yeah, um, you know, last night. So that's uh, there's there's just so much. You know, there's there is young talent there. When when people say the lack of top end talent, I, I'd say, I mean, listen, there's there's not a there's not a McDavid type or anything like that, but there are young guys there who can be pretty pretty darn solid NHL players, even if they're even if they're just surrounding pieces to to a new you know to your a franchise player who's not there yet but these are these are quality players and talented players a lot of these guys were, were first round picks you know yeah. um Faraby has been coming on um uh frost continues to be the middle of chances the last few games nothing's been going in for him but but he continues to play really well too so you know th- those guys have been the big bright spot this season well let's look i mean First of all, Tippett, it's the burst. I mean, the, the first step, he's – and you can see his confidence is off the charts. You can see it with Frost, too. He goes in on your check last night on the Farabee goal, yeah. and it's a 1v2 board battle below the goal line. But it what really Frost is. does is he fakes like he's going to one side of your check, kind of ties up his hands for a second, and then wins that 1v2 puck battle and gets it to Konechny, who then gets it to – Faraby yeah. for the goal. That's where Frost has improved so much. When he came in, Bill, he was a nightmare on the boards. Oh, now, yeah, that, and, and he, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's never going to be the biggest, strongest guy. There's there's room for him this offseason once again to add a little, yep, little further strength. And I think that that's one of the challenges for him. But one of the biggest things that um, 
and, and he said it on, on Flyers Daily earlier this season. One of the things that Rocky has emphasized, you know, you're not going to out-muscle guys, but use your legs. Get in there, get the puck, and get out because you have quick hands, too. Yeah. And that, that's a good that Yeah, quick quick stick, too. So that, that uh, I mean, that was, that was a perfect example of what they talked to him about this season. And that was yeah. uh, really, anyway, there, there's, there's, obviously, there's no goal there if you don't win that battle behind the net. So. Nope. And and to do it in a 1v2, sometimes yeah. the secondary assist is like a like a, a Bobo assist. But in this yeah. case, the secondary assist is even more important than the primary assist because no primary assist happens if that play doesn't and, happen. Yeah. And uh, so a, uh, in a related note, a uh, shout out to Claude Giroux for a thousand point. Um, yeah. You know, that tremendous accomplishment. The year the year that Giroux had his uh, – career year with the Flyers, the 102-point season. I mean, one of the arguments uh, against him winning the Hart Trophy that year, uh, Mike Johnson was one of the too many secondary assists. And I said, if you're really watching him, yeah. if you're, you know, if, you're re- if you go back and rewatch those games, those secondary assists, a lot of those were really primaries. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he would slide across to Borchak or somebody, and, and then like Simmons or somebody tap in the rebound. But yeah. it was really, really, you know, the, the real chance was created on the secondary you have to he was the catalyst yeah exactly exactly so um yeah i mean he's got a hundred or he's got a thousand and one now in 1099 games and he's also tied a career high in goals with 34 this year he only had 34 that one year when he had the 102 and the thing about this is if you look at his numbers bill before the 102 he had the 58 point season and everybody was saying he was turning 30. He's a player on the decline. His points have declined from 70-something to 60-something to 58. Then he comes in with the 102. And once again, since that 102, he's been unbelievable. Um, yeah. When you look at his numbers, just sheer numbers, Hall of Fame? Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, he's right there. I mean, Yeah, there's a good argument you know? to be made. Uh, they, there are there are guys who never won a cup or whatever who are in the Hall of Fame. He's he's, he's really getting into that discussion. Yeah. You know, so and he's got and look. He doesn't look like he's slowing down. No, no. <laughs> he looks like he, he looks like there's definitely still some gas in the tank too. So you yeah. keep building that that case. Yeah, I sent him a text yesterday. I said, "Not bad for a 22nd overall pick." <laughs> Well, uh, good. Uh, congrats on the thousand, old man. And he's he texting back. I mean, I really appreciate it. So, congrats to Claude Giroux. Um, it, I, I'm happy for his success there and back home and everything. So, um, that's a, it's amazing to me what he's been able to do. Um, Bill, um, one of the things obviously is Tony D'Angelo. You know, four scratched four straight games. There's a lot of mystery. This is shrouded in mystery. I always wanted to use that term, shrouded in mystery. Tony D'Angelo. Um, has he played his last game as a flyer? You know, we were discussing that this yesterday in the press box. I said, here's the here's the thing with Torts, right? He, he could he could have uh knockdown drag outs with D'Angelo. And he could be proving a point to him right now by not playing again the season and still want him back. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you understand Torts that, that you know, I don't think it necessarily means he's gone. Uh, I, I do think it means that a line was crossed that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that you're going to obviously have to, to, uh, bend some fences there, but I don't think it necessarily means he's gone. Um, I don't think he's going to be a long-term flyer. You know, I, it's a, it's a two-year deal. I, I, I think the Flyers will be open to moving him this summer, but I don't, I don't think it's absolutely a, a lock that he's not back by, by any means. Mm-hmm. That that is true about torts. Like he, it can go hard, and the punishment can be strict, but it doesn't mean I have to cast you away. Yeah, he's one of the few coaches that that will do that. Um, so tomorrow night they play Chicago. Who was it? The last Flyer game for? Is it the last time we see Kevin Hayes in a Flyers jersey? Is it the last time we see Ivan Provorov in a Flyer jersey? I talked to Provy last night after the game, um, and uh, taped him in an interview. I thought he was excellent in the game last night. Uh, but th- those guys may be, it may be the last spin for them. But let's get to our guest of honor because he joins us every season. We love having him. He does fantastic work. Not, not good work. Fantastic work on TSN. 
It is the one and only Mr. Craig J. Button. And there he is. Craig, how are you? I'm really, really good. How are you guys? I'm just trying to get my uh, my uh, AirPods adjusted, but I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you. Okay, good. We'll just continue to work through this. Yes. How how are things? Uh, how have you been? How have you enjoyed the season? Yeah, it's 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 hard to believe that the season is uh, coming to a conclusion. You know, you you know, we start out every you know September, October. You know, watching and you know you you make your predictions and then the season unfolds and some of the predictions are, are accurate and some of them are not and some are way off and you know but it's you know it, it it's kind of uh i think what's really become uh, apparent to me anyway is that you know i i finally feel and, and i do feel this i feel that the nhl has moved closer to the nfl with respect to you know you can see changes in, in in teams' fortunes. I'm not going to say quickly because it would be it would, it would not be the right way to say quickly when you're talking about the New Jersey Devils or the uh, Buffalo. You know, but the Seattle Kraken are in the uh, playoffs in their second year in the league, and that, that was never an easy place to follow. And you know, the Florida Panthers, Presidents Trophy winners, you know, just qualified for the playoffs on Tuesday night. The Flames are out. It looks like the Penguins are going to be out. You know, so the Washington Capitals are out. So you know, you you now have this opportunity, I think, for a for a broader broader fan base to to believe that their their teams don't have to be mired in mediocrity. For long stretches of time, and I, I think that's a good thing. And I, I the NHL is never going to be like the NFL because of older players, free agency, college players ready to step in. But I do think that the NHL now, you know, you next year we could see again, you know, four or five new teams in the playoffs, and and four or five that were in this year out. I, I think that's good for a league. I think it's good for fan base. Craig, to me, the, the biggest intrigue every year, and this this year is going to be no exception. Are those two three matchups? Because those are really damn good teams in those two three spots. Oh, there's no question about. It. I mean, okay, so let's look at the Devils. I mean, the Devils could still finish in first, but whether the Rangers play the Devils or the Hurricanes, I mean, those are hundred point teams, right? You have the Tampa Bay Lightning in the uh, in the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, you, you start to think about you know Edmonton. Are they going to finish in first, or is Vegas going to finish in first? And you know, so you you end up with these with these, and, and, and same in the Central Division. Like you, you know, who's it going to be? Is it is it going to be? It's going to be two of either Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota, you know, really good teams. And to your point, Bill, you know, those are teams that, you know, certainly uh, at, at, at the end of the playoff round, one's going to be really happy, and, and there's going to be massive disappointment with with four teams that lose in that first round. And, and, and they're good teams, and they've had successful seasons, but you get measured on the playoffs. That's the thing, Craig. I remember last season, you know, you looked at the Eastern Conference, you knew the eight teams going into the playoffs, maybe by Christmas. And the oh, yeah. the, the, the playoffs were set in the East, and it was just a matter of jockeying for position. This year, like you said, Pittsburgh, I don't know how, they boot that game against Chicago last night at home. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. They had the easiest of the schedule of the three teams, and they end up losing that game. It's going to cost them. I mean, no Crosby in the playoffs, no Ovechkin. That hasn't happened since, what, 03? And, I mean, this is a changing of the guard. And it, the days, you know, the Cup's always hard to win. But right now it looks damn near impossible to win for any team the way these <laughs> matchups go because there's just so many teams. You go, oh, my God, there's so much talent here. And, and there is. And, 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 you know, to your point, Jason, you know, I mean, we're watching the game last night with, with Chicago and Pittsburgh. And, you know, it just seemed like a matter of time before Pittsburgh was going to find their way into the game. And they yeah. did. And they tied up 1-1. And then, you know, it just slipped out of their hands. And, you know, listen to Crosby after the game. I mean, it, 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 there will never be an acceptance from those guys about, like, where there is because they always have that hope. But, you know, there was a – it was almost like there was a resignation. You know, that, uh, you know, it, it's coming to an end and you can see it coming to an end. I mean, the Islanders, all they need is one point against Montreal on Wednesday night and the Penguins are officially out. But it is a changing of the guard. And, you know, and, and, and so when you set your when you set your plan and you set your goals at the beginning of a season, you know, you have a good team. And, and again, so 
Toronto, Tampa Bay, one of those teams. And if it's Toronto again, who knows what's going to happen up in Toronto, Tampa Bay. I mean, it, it, there's a little bit more leniency because of their success, but you know, that two, three matchup in the metropolitan, the two, three matchup in the central and in the Pacific, there's going to be massive disappointment. It, it won't matter that you had a hundred points and, Oh yeah, we had a good season. Our young players really grew. It's going to be a disappointing end to, to four team season. Save for Tampa Bay if they move, move out. But if it's not Tampa Bay, Massive disappointment for four teams. Yeah. And Craig, when you look at the Oscars League, especially, especially the crop that's coming in in the, the draft this year, I've never seen so many ridiculously skilled hockey players. Uh, and, and a lot of, a lot of them are smaller guys. That's not even a limiting factor anymore. Yeah, you know, the small players you guys know have always found a way to the National Hockey League. They always have, and they always will. You know, in 2005, and, and, and you know, th this year's draft, for the most part, are 2005-born players. So, you know, you go back, and, and, you know, we knew the game when it was played in a very different way with obstruction and, and the big hulking player impeding the skilled player. And, you know, and, and, and it didn't matter if the skilled player was big or small. I mean, Marilyn Mew you know, you know, was, was in a rodeo just about every game. But now these kids, they only know the game one way. I, I, I was talking to some uh, parents last night. Uh, the, they have two boys, 10 and 8. And the, the father was telling me, he said, yeah, there doesn't just seem to be much physicality in the game. And I said, okay, so we remember there's no physicality. So I turned to the two boys. And, you know, they're, they're young boys. They're 10 and 8 years old. And I said, what do you like about the game? And they said, oh, the skating, oh, the stick handling. I said, what do you work on? Oh, the Michigan. We want to score the Michigan, yeah. right? Like, you know, and so I said, what about body checking? They go, eh, no, we don't, they don't play with body checking at that age, but they, they don't see it. So it's not something they're practicing. It's not something they're doing. So will there be, will there be, I call it friction. I think what we have now in the game is physical, uh, is friction. It, it, it's body on body trying to gain position. But, but, but the way the game was played with, with body checking and real hard, you know, I'm going to deliver a body check to you. I mean, that's a, that, that's a part of the game that I don't think is coming back. And I think it's quickly, uh, uh, you know, not quickly, but it's taken some time. But I, I, I think it's not going to be part of the game in, in, in the way that we remember it being part of the game. And, and the kids don't even know that it was part of the game now. Yeah, because they watch YouTube videos, Craig. Yeah. And, and they well, want to work on all they, – they sit. They get in their garage, they watch these YouTube videos, and they sit there and they stick candle until they can pull these magical little dangles and everything. And you're seeing it across the league. And I mean, I got Michigan in a beer league game. We were winning 8 nothing, <laughs> And some, and normally, we were up 8 nothing, and the guy would have done that to me. I would have given him the goalie stick to the side of the head. But I was like, holy shit, he did it so good. I had to give him stick taps and respect it. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, this year with this draft, Craig, with, you know, a guy like Bedard at the top and Fantilli and all these great players in this draft that's been pointed at for a while has caused a lot of, you know, a, a very con one of those things happening that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. And it's the tanking element of it and positioning yourself to have the best chance to land a player that frankly lands your team on the front page of the newspaper, old school term, uh, for many years to come, like it did Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. The moment he was drafted, the Pittsburgh Penguins were front page news on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and it's still that way all these years later. That's what a Bedard can do. Let me get your thoughts on you know, teams positioning themselves and pseudo-tanking to try and get those 18.5% odds to land Bedard. What's your thoughts on how that's played out this year? Well, you, you know, actually it's 25.5 because you can only move up 10 spots, right? Yeah. So, so, so it's even, so you got a one in four chance to get a generational player, you know? Yeah. People go, oh, yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, it is worth it. So if I have a chance to get a generational player to your point, Jason, you know, think about where Pittsburgh and Washington were at when Crosby was drafted. Pittsburgh was coming off a of drafting Ovechkin. There was a lockout and then Crosby comes in the league. Those two, those two franchises, those two cities were not hockey cities. When I say hockey cities, they were not cities where their, their hockey team was supported. They were, they'd been mired, mired in all kinds of uh, uh, mediocrity. And mediocrity might be, uh, might be kind because they were so bad. And then they were having all kinds of problems financially. And then these two players, and certainly Crosby comes along. I mean, they changed the fortunes of the front. 
to, to the point now where 18 years later, you know, the, the, those players are still great. And it, it, you're right. They've been front and center. They've been front and center in, in, in not only the faces of the league, but at, on the front pages of, 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 of media, television, may, uh, national broadcasts. You know, obviously the Stanley Cup playoffs, you can market those guys. So I, 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 I just talk about those guys as I head into Bedard. Listen, you know, players don't tank. Never. Management management sets up the tanking by not having good players. <laughs> the players are always going to give their best, right? That that's just the, that's just the fact of the matter. You know, players aren't going to go out there and say, "Oh, I'm purposely losing it." It's not in them. But the but the team, the management sets up their team to you know be be in a spot where you have a real difficult time winning, it, with the idea that when a player like Bedard comes and we give ourselves the best opportunity to win the lottery. It is worth it in every single regard because I think the worst place to be is in the, well, what they call the mushy middle. I call it 7-Eleven. You never want to be in that 7-Eleven spot because you, you're not moving up and you're not moving down. If you're not moving down, it's harder to, to, to improve. And, and if you're seven, it's hard to improve because you don't get a high enough pick and, and you're not really challenging anybody. The Minnesota Wild were there forever. They were they're in the playoffs every year, but they were never going anywhere. So you get a chance to, to get a special player. And, and, and Bedard is all that and more. Like, there's no way that you, you, you look at your team, and, and I give Kyle Davidson t- t- total credit. Because Kyle Davidson said last summer, no, we're out. We're out. We're out. This is what I'm doing. We're, we're cleaning it out. We're starting anew with the idea that they, they had an opportunity to, uh, you know, have the best odds to get Bedard. Whether that happens or not, I mean, they hurt their chances last night by, by beating the Penguins, you know, and the, you have to look at the big picture and, and the salary cap in the CBA, you know, works to say you got to spend a, a minimum of this amount on your cap and there's nuances to it, but there's no way that a team can say that given our, given where we sit, given our situation, that they're not tanking. We don't like the word tank and, and everything. But how can anybody say that Kyle Davidson wasn't setting his team up yeah, to not be the worst team? There's no way you can say it. And yeah, you get rid of the you get rid of the brink it. You, yeah. you, know, you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah it, you do. And, and rightfully so. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. You want to tank, put a sieve in that. that that's the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, on the flip side, though, Craig, is there a – you know, I'll refer to the Philadelphia situation because they are they are trying to reestablish an identity to be a more competitive hockey team. You know, this Tartarello, do use the term, uh, set a standard, be harder to play against. Um, and, and certainly that, that's where a coach is going to approach it from. If your organizational direction is we're really not, you know, maybe we're not we're not competing right now, but we're working towards something. It does essentially losing a season because you, you know, every team has some young guys are trying to develop, bring along, and be be contributing players in the long term. Is there is there a little bit of a, a trade off with that when you know when you are fo- so focused on what's ahead, what's what's your next draft position, what are the next couple drafts look like? Oh yeah, no, no, no there's no question about that. And 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 then I mean, let, let's take the Flyers situation. So. You know, you, you bring in a new coach, right? So a new coach comes in and, you know, John has come in and he's he said that this is the standard that we want to play at. This is we want to be harder to play against. So you not, now, now you have a new coach that is establishing this is how I'm running things. And, and, and with that comes, okay, different expectations. It, it comes with different growing pains. You know, the Flyers have seen that even with some of their young players this year. And, you know, and, and, and then you, you start to evaluate Okay, where are we really at in this picture? Where we, where do we stand in terms of okay, how do we make ourselves better? How do we make ourselves harder to play against? All, all the things that go with with coach and management speak, but you you also have a timeline. You know what amazes me, and and, and this is how like I, I think it's a great question in, in my mind. I ask myself this: back in the uh, lockout year. 2019, or not lockout year, the, the pandemic year, when the season got 2019-20. I'm watching that Flyers team that year, and I'm thinking, this is a really, really good team. I thought they were a really, really good team. I was massively impressed. Season gets shut down in March. You know, but 
hey, listen, I, I was on the Flyers bandwagon there. And then they came back and played. And even though they beat the Montreal Canadiens, I, I started to go, ooh, geez, and, you know, they weren't, they weren't the team that I thought they were. Now, I understood that there might have been a six-month span between playing games, five months, whatever it was. And it, but it seemed that they stayed mired in, the, in that place of, of lack. And it, it, it seemed to happen quick. And I don't know why it happened quick. And like I said, that's part of the evaluation. So it leads to a new coach coming in. It leads to, you know, uh, okay, what, what does the future look like? You, you, you got young players, but are they ready to play? You know, you got some players that are not – and it's pretty straightforward where the coach says, you know what, they don't really fit to what I want to establish. So you kind of have this kind of fits and starts, right? You, you kind of go one way, and then you're trying to go another way, and then you're trying to – and how patient – and when I say patient – can people be with it? I'm talking about players, management, coaches, owners. And I think that's where the Flyers find themselves with that. To your, to your point, Bill, is that they're, they're caught in this, they're caught in this place where they're, they kind of, yeah, this is where we want to go, but we're not really sure if we're committed to going there. And, you know, you've got to put a stake in the ground. And I'm not saying it's, I would never suggest, Hey, Oh, we're just blowing it up. I'm not saying that that's the answer, but you know, saying that, like, here's what we're going to do. And, how, and, and hey, the Flyers, I call the Flyers an original seven franchise. I think after the original six, I think the Flyers come right there, established brand, established in the league as a, as a go-to franchise. And, you know, right now, they're struggling. They're struggling in a, in, in a similar manner to, to, to the late 80s, early 90s. Yep. You know, when... We know when Mr. Snyder, you know, essentially left the organization and his son Jay ran it. They, but but they came out of it with Eric Lindros. And, you know, and then and then the next years were were, were really quite phenomenal. And and you know, Stanley Cup final in twenty ten and some really good players. But it just seems now that they know where they want to go. It's just like, okay, what's the timeline and you know, what's the what's the commitment level to, to saying, okay, we know where we want to go. We want to be hard to play against, but it's going to be hard to get there if we don't commit to it fully. It's no different than playing on the ice. <laughs> you know, you, you got to commit to it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, and they need high-end talent, and, and that's where it comes oh. in. Craig, as a, as a guy that has been involved in hockey management and front offices, as your general manager, you know, Chuck Fletcher gets let go. Danny Breer is the interim general manager. And the sense is that that interim tag will be removed. They are separating the jobs and they are searching for a president of hockey operations. And they've put the word rebuild on the table, believe it or not, from a flyer standpoint. So first, your thoughts on Danny Briere. And if Danny Briere is the GM, who's a good candidate to be the president of hockey operations? What skill sets does that person need to help a first time general manager navigate this rebuild? Well, and, 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 I, and I think that you've touched right on it, Jason. Like, you know, it's, it, I, th I think the big question is, okay, if you're going to have Danny Breer be, be the general manager, and I'll talk about him in a second, you know, okay, like you might need a different, you might need a different president of hockey operations. You might, yeah. you, you might, you, you might need a real seasoned uh, hockey executive, somebody that can, you know, that Danny can lean on and that can, you, you know, guide Danny and, and work Jeff with Gordon. Danny. Type. Bingo. Like, you know, and, and when Jeff was named, when Jeff was named uh, the, uh, the, the president, vice, whatever the, he essentially, let's call him the president of hockey operations, despite yep. the title, right? You know, Jeff had massive amounts of hockey experience and you're Kent Hughes. You can bounce in there and talk to him about things. And Jeff has got lots of experience. He's worked in Boston. He's worked in New York. So he's worked in big markets. So yeah. he, he really understands. I, 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 so, you know, as it, as it relates to the president, so let's just, I'll stay on the president here and assume that Danny's going to be the, the GM and the interim tag is going to be taken off, and then I'll talk about Danny. But you, you better have somebody that understands the Philadelphia market, the Flyers market and the sporting market. <laughs> like, I think those are two things that are intertwined. That's a great, great sporting market it's a fan base that's passionate about their teams they love their teams and we know what the flyers have meant over the years so somebody that understands the marketplace and, and, and all and in, in, in every area there has to be somebody that's experienced in hockey 
and that has a real understanding of, of, of how they can help Danny. The, having somebody that's probably gone through it, somebody that's gone through it and can, you, you know, hey, Danny, I know when I went to Calgary, Al McNeil, I'd sit down with Al McNeil, who'd been around forever, and we'd talk about something and an idea. And Al had this great manner about him. He would talk about like, yeah, I remember back in 1982, we were talking about this and he would go through the story. And by the end of it, you go, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> like, you know, because yeah. real well, life, everybody, everybody has great ideas. Right. But if you don't, if you don't have a, 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 a kind of a knowledge, a institutional knowledge of, of how things have played out in the past, like it's not that your, your idea is bad. It's just that it, it's been tried and it hasn't been successful. So I think that's a really important element. For, who, for whoever they look at in president of hockey operations. I, I, I really think it's important in that regard. Uh, as, as it relates to Danny, I mean, I think when Dan, Danny's worked, Danny's gone and worked at different levels. And, you know, I see Danny in the rinks. I saw Danny uh, the, uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before in Chicago. He was there scouting uh, the national team development program. And I've seen Danny, uh, you know, working in the minors. And I, he, he's, a, he's a very well-respected person because of his manner he, he takes time to uh, to talk to the players and spend time with the people like he he's he's not somebody that's going to uh you know just decide that the you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna just be a manager he, he wants to do the work he wants to understand the work that goes in to to being a good team and i think when you're a manager the more you can understand what the scouts are doing, what the what the minor league operation is doing, what the minor league coaches are going through, and now you know how it's all connected. I think that that only helps you be a better manager. And I think Danny has done all those things. And I think that you know he's got a keen eye for the game. I think he's got a real sharp eye for the game. And I, I think more importantly, you think about Danny as a player. And I, I you know I've chatted with Danny here and there over the years. You, you, you know Danny knows what he likes. And, I, you know, there's not one right way to do things. There's a lot of different ways to be right. And there's a lot of different players that can help you be successful. But I think as a manager, you have to believe in your vision. And I think that Danny has a really strong idea of, of, of what can work, what he wants to see work. And I, I, quite frankly, I think he's ready. I think he's ready. I think he's ready to be a manager. And I think he's ready, not just in terms of what he's done, but also understanding you know, what's going to be required to be successful. Well, Danny, you know, it, it, it's so important you said that because I think there's a perception as well, if you're going to bring in a, a, a president of hockey ops, you know, you, you very well may have three people with very strong opinions. Um, you know, especially as someone who's been, uh, who's been a general manager in the past, which I think, which I think is helpful having somebody with experience. But you know you can end up you want to you want to keep moving forward. Uh, Tortorella is absolutely hands on. He's going to have a say in personnel. Um, Danny yep. is the GM, and uh, if you bring in an experienced president of hockey ops, and the name that Jason and I started with when we you know were first kicking names around was was Ray Shiro, um, because he's won a Stanley Cup because he has. He's you know the he has have some handprints on where the where the devils have gone since you know it's obviously he's no longer with them but I mean in in the years since then but how important is it actually you know okay we're picking not just picking a name but we're picking somebody who kind of shares a vision with the other guys because otherwise otherwise guys start to butt heads and it's hard to move forward in in my opinion. Well, Bill, you, you, you know one thing you just uh, you just uh, pointed out that I. John Tortorella is here. John Tortorella is going to have a voice. And, and so that becomes another factor in the decision-making in terms of a president of hockey operations, right? You know, John is no shrinking violet. And, and John is going to, John's going to speak his mind and he's going to speak his mind privately. He's going to speak his mind publicly. And that's, and that's what you, and he's passionate. And, and so, you, you know, when you mentioned Ray Shiro, and I, I think that becomes another big factor too, okay? Somebody that John can look to and say, you know what, that's a voice that, uh, you know, that I respect. And it's not that John's disrespectful, but like somebody that I'm going to listen to. And, you know, if, if you have somebody that's a little inexperienced, like Danny, and obviously when you start as a manager for the first time, you're inexperienced. But somebody like Ray, I think there's a couple of things I would say about Ray. And, 
you know, I've known Ray a long time, and I think he – we start with names, but I'm going to go to the qualifications, and, and, and I think Ray fits every qualification you would want. You know, he, he, he think about where he's worked. He's worked in, in organizations with, with, with high standards, went to Pittsburgh, turned that around. They became Stanley Cup champions with high-end talent. And, you know, and, and then he went to New Jersey, and you're following Lou Lamarillo. And, and, and Ray had to forge his own path, much like Danny's going to have to forge his own path. And it's, it's not an easy path to navigate at times. And so Ray went through it, and, and now he understands that. Having strong coaches, <laughs> Ray's worked with strong coaches and been around. And, you know, you, you can even go back to his days in Nashville, you know, working with Barry Trotz and working with David Poyle. So Ray, and, and, and then to me, the clincher is who understands the Philadelphia market and the, and, and the, uh, and the demands and, and, and the expectations of, of, of Philadelphia better than Ray Sherrill, uh, like, and with everything else he has. I mean, just the Sherrill name. But, it, but, but that, that would be enough. But he understands it, and he gets it. So, you know, I think that when you look at all the qualifications that would fit when you're looking for, I, I totally 100% agree with you. You know, do I need to build uh, billboards to, you know, raise the guy? Or, you know, because I, I think he would be terrific. And I also think Ray knows where he's at now, too. Like, I think that he would be that – he'd be like Jeff Gordon, like really supportive and really helpful – to, to a young GM uh, like Danny Briere. I think, I think it would be a terrific fit. Yeah, he checks so many of those boxes. Oh. And I mean, it's paramount that they make this decision and it's the right decision so we can get off the treadmill of, you know, of a non-playoff team. Let me ask you about a few players because, um, you know, a 10th overall pick in Owen Tippett with Florida wasn't able to break through, Craig. Um, Flyers last year make the trade and get, acquire him in the Claude Giroux deal to the Panthers, along with that first round pick next year. And Owen Tippett's come in this year with the opportunity in front of him and grabbed it and just has built confidence, you know, every month. And boy, he's finishing really strong since basically they got back from that, that West coast trip. He's been excellent for the team. He scored two last night, including the overtime winner to get his 26th of the season. But I think there's a realization with the player that I'm a good player at this level as well. And you see that in his decision-making on the ice. What have you seen out of the growth of Owen Tippett? You know, Jason, I think you just nailed it. The realization that he can be a good player at that level. You think he can be. You're, you're, a, top, you're a top pick in the draft. You've had success in junior hockey. You're given opportunity. But there, there's a difference between thinking you can and knowing you can. And, yeah. and, and right now, Owen, no one, Owen is, is at the point of knowing he can. And he's always been a terrific uh, goal scorer. He's out, and, and he's always had this kind of goal scoring ability where where he's where he's assertive and he's strong. And I, like I know where I'm going, and you're not going to move me out of here. Like that type of uh, ability to to score, and, and when it's hard, it's it's hard to score in the National Hockey League. And I think oh, yeah. that Owen, you know, always had a terrific shot, but he's really developed his game. I think when I look at the right side of, of the, uh, the – and I'm talking about young players, and I put Konechny in that group too. You have Konechny, you have Tippett, and I think Tyson Forster is going to be a really good player. And, and Tyson now, you know, because you have Konechny there and, and, and you have Tippett, you know, you know, now Tyson doesn't have to be forced up the lineup into situations that he can grow and learn in a situation too. So when you have three skilled right wingers like that that can add offense, we talk about adding skill and adding talent. I think it's really, really – like, that's a good place to start. I, I know earlier in the year I was asked in Calgary, uh, you know, they needed a right winger. Could you identify any players that, that you'd go after? And I, I said those three players. I, I said Konechny, Tippett, and, and Forster. They're at different levels. Forster more for the future. Tippett, you know, they just traded for him. But, you know, maybe maybe there's a deal to be made there. And Konechny, you know, obviously he's had a really strong season. But – you know, when there's teams that don't have what the Flyers have on that right side in terms of talent and skill. But I agree with you, Jason. I think that Owen has really found that. And, and a confident Owen Tippett, a confident goal scorer, is a dangerous goal scorer. Yeah. Craig, when we uh, when we talked to you last year, uh, one of the players we discussed was, was Morgan Frost. And you said at the time, you know, Frost is a too good of a talent not to figure out eventually, but it might have to happen somewhere else. You know, Morgan's been through a process with John Tortorella. And, and lo and behold, Frost is the Flyers' leading scorer since, since, uh, since New Year's. 
Um, he, he's really taken that next step. And there, there have been people in, involved in this, of course. You know, the player gets the most credit, but it's also, it's also a coaching process. There's Mike Yo last year. There's Rocky Thompson this year. Um, you know, and Danny Briere, too, it, it, it worked hands-on with Morgan. Uh, I'm interested in where you see where he's gone the last year, where he's kind of taken off, and you see him sustaining it. Yeah, yeah, and it's well, he has he has taken off, and you know what's interesting back, back to back to John Tortorella too, you know, you know a lot of times teams with their players and in all different sports they take different tacks with with respect to development, right? Like, no, we really believe in them and really believe in them, and you know, and 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 you're trying to work. John's John's straightforward. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And and a lot of these a lot of young players in all sports haven't been told it's not good enough. They've always been good enough. Now they're being told it's not good enough. And I think you have to get into your own mind that, like, he's right. <laughs> I got to be better. Like, it doesn't matter what I did in the past. And I think that Morgan, I think, call it, I mean, we use different words, tough love, whatever we want to use it, right? Like, John's just direct. Like, you're capable. John will work with young players. John will work with players and help them be better. Ask Marty St. Louis about John Tortorella. And yeah. Marty St. Louis basically had to go in and tell John Tortorella, well, it was with Steve Ludzik first, but then John Tortorella was, you know, give me a chance. I can do it. Okay. You think, you know, you're going to put, you're going to put it on the line. I'll give you a chance. And so, but, but if you're not going to put it on the line and you're not going to dig in and, 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 and we talk about being hard to play against, being hard to play against isn't running over everybody. Being hard to play against is saying, I'm not going away. I'm going to be strong on every puck. I might not win every puck, but I'm going to be in every puck fight. I'm going to be in every puck battle. I'm going to be on the right side of the of the play as much as I can. That's being hard to play against. That's being tenacious and and detailed and disciplined. And and that's what a lot of young players have to learn. And I think that Morgan, you know, who's always been a gifted player, he needed to physically mature, right? To me, that was the biggest thing that needed to happen with Morgan. But he's got a he's got a massive hockey brain. He's, he's smart. He's intelligent. He makes plays. He can, he can make people around him better. And I just talked about the wingers. You know, you get skill around a, a playmaking guy like, like Morgan Frost. Now you have that, those complimentary players. So do I think he can sustain it? Yeah. Does he need some complimentary players around him? Yes. And I, I think that, again, much like Owen, it's one thing to think he can, but now he's seeing, okay, you know, it's been hard. John's been demanding of me, but like now I've, I've got to this side here and, and players like when they get to the right side and the good side, they like it. And mm -hmm. I think that Morgan, you know, will, 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 will I think he can sustain it, Bill. I, 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 I like, I think that he's, he's emerged and I think that he, he can sustain it. I, I think the biggest way you can tell if a player, uh, you know, knows that he belongs and is the decisions they make on the ice. And like I talked about with Tippett, you see the decision-making of Morgan Frost plays that he would have made because of the risks that comes with him. Now he makes them with confidence because he knows he can make them. And sometimes you're going to make a mistake. That happens. Hockey's a game of mistakes. Craig, last thing for you, you know, Torts has talked about subtraction is the first piece here. Now subtraction is nice but you have to have addition after subtraction because you got to feel the team. But, you know, there's a timeline now with a team in a rebuild, you know, who fits it, who doesn't fit it, who are the guys that are part of the solution here from, you know, an on ice, off ice professionalism, all those things. And there's going to be some guys that are going to depart, whether that's Kevin Hayes, Ivan Provorov, uh, Tony D'Angelo or others. Um, how, how's the market for these type of players, you know, like a Kevin Hayes, who's 30, um, has played some wing this year because Torts has moved him there, but likes to play center. You know, I look at Winnipeg, Dallas. I, I see some teams, maybe if Bergeron retires, if they win the cup, Boston would be looking for a center. How's the market and, and for players like Hayes, Provorov, D'Angelo? What I would say is, is I mean, I mean, Kevin is a, is, is shown to be a really good player. And I, I think that there's, there would absolutely be a market for a 30 year old Kevin Hayes, you know, and, and his contract isn't prohibitive. I mean, in today's NHL, when, you know, when you look at the dollars, I don't think it's prohibitive. So I would definitely see a market uh, for uh, certainly for, for Kevin. I, I mean, Ivan is, is a young, is a young player. He's 26 years old. He's going to be 26 years old. You know, 
there's no question that teams are going to uh, be interested in Ivan Provorov. There, there's simply no question. And, you know, offseason becomes a time when teams can make those uh, decisions and make those maneuvers with their group. But there's just no way that a player of, of Ivan's talents are not going to be welcomed uh, in, in NHL, on, on NHL rosters. They're just, will, will it be everyone? No, because not everyone needs that type of player. And, you know, putting everything else aside, I, I just think that, you know, Ivan has a talent that, you, you know, is pretty, pretty strong. So I think the market for both those players would be strong. Uh, you know, Tony is a, is a fascinating, is a fascinating person and player. He's such a good player. He really is a good player. And he, he plays the game in, in, in a manner that very few can play it. And I, I think, you know, you know, we, we know, you know, what happened in New York, but then he goes to Carolina and he's really good. And then he leaves Carolina, he comes to Philadelphia and, you know, he's had, he's had his good and, you know, some, some different, I mean, I, I still don't think he deserved a two game suspension for that, for that play, but that's just me. But, you know, I think you have to be ready to uh, work with Tony and, and accept Tony for, for, for what he does on the ice. If you're going to try to, take them and reshape them and mold them into something. You're never going to be happy with Tony and Tony's never going to be happy. And I, I think there has to be an acceptance there, but you know, you're looking at, a, at, at somebody who can run a power play and run offensive plays from the blue line. That, that isn't common. I, I, I think it's going to have to be the right fit for him, both team wise and coach wise. So the market might not be as big for Tony, but I, I don't see any reason why teams wouldn't be uh, interested in Kevin Hayes or, or Ivan Perova. Now, you, you can manufacture reasons, but uh, from a playing point of view, those two players are those two players are real solid with, in my view, age and contracts that are good. Craig, I, I lied. I have one more for you because one of the things. Okay, sure, you know, no, no, no problem. I'm not. You can have two more if you want, or three more. I'm all good. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to ask you about. Carter Hart, because, you know, some people say uh, trade him because you can get a haul for him right now. You have Sam Harrison. Harrison doesn't play enough for me to go down that path to know that he's going to be an NHL top goaltender. But, you know, it, it's hard to judge a rebuild when you don't get goaltending because <laughs> it's hard to judge your team because if they if they're if you don't get goaltending, it's hard for the players in front of him to play the game the right way. Because if you fear you're going to make a mistake and you're pulling the puck out of your net, that's no way to play this game. And, you know, he's back there. He can erase a lot of those mistakes. He's been really good this year. Uh, but people say, you know, he's the piece that can get you the most. And if you're in a rebuild, you know, why don't you trade Carter Hart? Now, he's still young. He's tw 24 years old or be 24 in August. And he's got a lot of prime years in front of him. How do you look at the goaltending situation in a rebuild? Because we've seen teams like Buffalo without any goaltending. So it's been difficult to judge where they are. We see, you know, this year, although Arizona got goaltending with Vimelka, but teams all over the league trying to do a rebuild without goaltending is very difficult. So where do you where do you fall in the possibility of moving a goaltender like Carter Hart? Well, okay, so so what is a haul? What do we define as a haul? Right, like yeah, you know, I, like, see, I, I don't think you get a haul for goalies. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Jason. So yeah. so I mean, so so people go, you can get a haul for. Well, how about if we rewind this just in a way, and I'll ask you guys this question. How would the Buffalo Sabres look with Linus Allmark in their net this year? Oof. Yeah. They'd be a playoff club, that's for sure. Yep. Um, <laughs> Bill, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. So, you know, I mean, Linus doesn't have the same uh, resume at, at, at the stage of the career they traded him that Carter Hart did, does, right? So all I would say is, you know, Carter is at an age now where goaltenders start to dominate and start to move forward, right? So I, I, it's great to say you can get a haul, right? But that haul, is it going to help you now? Is it going to help you? In, and, and, and if you're going to get a haul, when is it going to help you? Because you've got a lot of other players that are there now and you have, an, you have a team that you need uh, to, to, to play and to perform. And you don't want your team to get beat up by, by losing games that you, that, that, you, that you could have won or you could have been in. Like that, that affects players' confidences too. You know, Bingo. I look at the, the LA Kings. They were a rebuilding team. And uh, last year, and they made the playoffs, and now they're a team trying to take another step. And Rob Blake loves Jonathan Quick. He said, my goaltending isn't good enough. He had to move along, right? So, so my point is, 
when, when you have a team like L.A. that's going like, we know there's a statue going out for Jonathan Quick in L.A. We know that he's got Hall of Fame credentials and he very well may find himself there. But when your team is in that spot, you can't start saying, oh, well, Jonathan Quick, he, his goaltending wasn't good enough anymore. And that was hurting the team. So if you're going to trade Carter Hart, you better be, you better be sure of, of, of two things. Number one, that you have a goaltender that's capable. And I'm not talking about thinking. You better be sure. Okay, that's number one. And number two is, what is that haul and when is that haul going to help your team? Because, you know, like first-round pick next year and, and a young prospect and you get a player, that's not a haul when you have a clear-cut number one goaltender. There, there's 32 teams in the league, and, and there's not 32 clear-cut number ones. Carter's one of them. And he's at there's an age. seven, like, Craig, in today's NHL. Yeah, there seven you go. number yeah. ones. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, to me, he's clear cut and you better be really careful. And like, you know, this, I oh yeah, we can trade him and then we can get this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Show me what you can get. I remember being in Calgary and we had the discussion and ironically, coincidentally, not ironically, coincidentally, I was talking to Bob Clark and, you know, our, our, they said, well, let's find out what we can get for Jerome McGinley. Right. Like, let's find out what we can get for Jerome McGinley. So I'm talking to Bob and he goes, well, he goes like, you know, it's, you know, because my feeling was you're not, you don't, you don't want to put a name out there and have Jerome because I didn't want to trade him and I wasn't looking to trade him. But the idea was, let's find out. And I said, well, how do you find out? Right. Well, anyway, long story short, you know, you start to, you start to hear what other managers, now this is Jerome McGinley. And this is Jerome McGinley, like, that was already established as, as, as a star, like an, an elite star. Well, you started to realize that what people thought a hall was, other teams were, you know, as, as they're wanted to do, they're, they don't, they're not going to give you everything you want and everything, right? And, you know, oh, well, we'll give you this. How about two first-round draft picks? Well, we got two really good prospects. And, you know, how about this player off our team? Obviously a player they don't want, right? And you start to sit back and you go, yeah, right, yeah. Like you're going to trade a, a star player like Jerome because you think you get a hall. Like, you know, the, the, there's not very many times you get a hall. You know, the Flyers ended up, trading a haul to get Eric Lindros. The Quebec Nordiques got a haul. That's a haul. Yeah. I don't know if you can if you can if, if, if I've seen very many trades that have that have had that type of return. And you know, the Flyers did very well by getting Eric Lindros. And we know what the uh, Nordiques Avalanche did. But you know, you're talking about a to me a number one goaltender. You better be careful. That's a that's a it goes without saying that's a key position. Yeah, it's the known commodity for the unknown commodity. <laughs> and for a general manager, that's a scary, scary element of it, too. <laughs> no doubt. Well, it uh, is. And, like, you know, you talk about Airson and you talk about Sandstrom and, and whatnot. But, like, C Carter's not 31. He's not 31. And you're thinking, yeah. okay, who's going to be our guy? And, who would, and, 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 again, the market, you asked me earlier, what, what would the market be for, for Hayes and D'Angelo and Provorov, right? Like the other thing with, with, with the goaltending market is the, the market's a lot narrower and it's a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and, and then it even gets smaller and narrower. If you think you're getting a haul, well, who are you getting that haul from? <laughs> you're not going to get dry because, sight out of Edmonton for Carter Hart. That's the deal. But like even a team that might say, I need a goaltender, the Flyers might go, well, you don't have anybody that we can get the haul with. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, Craig, this was awesome as always, man. We really appreciate it. Your yearly visits always, uh, they never disappoint. We know that, uh, <laughs> enjoy these playoffs and don't work too hard. I mean, it's two months. It's a grind. And I know you guys work your rear ends off throughout these playoffs. It's going to be fascinating. Um, so as always, make sure everybody follow Craig on Twitter at Craig J button, Craig, thanks for doing this. And, uh, we'll talk again next season, man. Really, really appreciate the yeah. time as always. Always my pleasure, Jason and Bill. You guys do a fantastic job. It's always uh, always uh, a real honor to join you. So thanks for having me. There he is, Craig Button from TSN. And uh, I mean that I'm nominating for the president of Hockey Ops. <laughs> hey, he checks a lot of boxes too, right? Yeah, he does. Well, he so. couldn't have been um, more resolute on the qualifications and fit of Ray Shiro, huh? Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, my for goodness. Sure. Yeah, and, you know. So, uh, I mean, there, I could I could have asked Craig questions for hours. How do you even got to the draft? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah that's bonkers, right? Yeah. Um, 
So the thing I was really surprised about, Craig, was the notion of positioning your team, tanking, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And he, he was kind of all for it. <laughs> I'm surprised by yeah, that. Well, yeah, to, to me, and, and you and I have discussed this any number of times too, you know, there, there's two ways of going about it, right? They should obviously coalesce at some point. Collecting talent and building a team, right? And obviously, if you're doing it right, the two things are the two things come together. Yeah, you know. Uh, but to me, Buffalo was a team that, until very recently, collected a lot of talent, but they never built a team. Yeah, you know, Edmonton did that for a long time too. Look at all the times Edmonton picked for. I'm talking about ahead of McDavid. So they, you know, they uh, picked early, but yet they never seemed to get anywhere. You know, yeah. and I, I you just. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, he said even even a guy like Bedard, right? Well, Bedard has what 140 points or so, right? And uh, clearly an, an incredible talent. And Regina's just kind of an average team. Yeah. You know, I I I, I don't want to you know I, you want to ultimately be a an average or below average team with a superstar. You want to have a a superstar leading a very good team to being a contender and hopefully eventually a champion. And I think, I think you have to keep the, the team building in mind too. Yeah. I mean, I, there's so many ways to do it. You know, you look at teams like Tampa and, you know, Stamkos is the number one overall pick you, you, to build a team. You have to check the, certain boxes with a superstar, you know, Stamkos, great player, great leader runs that room stud. Number one, D man and Victor Hedman goaltending, in Andre Vasilevsky and tremendous offensive depth. That's, you know, that's, you look at the Boston Bruins. This is not a top of the draft built team. Taylor Hall's the number one overall pick, but, um, you know, wasn't drafted by Boston. But you look at, you know, where they got Marshan, where they got Bergeron, where they got Pasternak, you know, how they've built their blue line. Yeah, they drafted McAvoy, but they've really built this blue line, you know, but with the addition of Hampus Lindholm. You know, the way they've built themselves into being this now historic team bill is not through tanking. No, for, or, you know, or Dallas. I mean, for a long time, Jamie Benn was the face of that organization. Yeah. And had a big resurgent year this year. Hey, Jamie Benn was a fifth round pick in, in 2007. Yeah. Uh, if you're redrafted, obviously, the uh, you know, Chicago is still taking Patrick Kane first overall. Flyers, Flyers may not take JVR second. They might have taken Jamie Benn. It was, you know, a fifth yeah. round guy. Uh, look at look at Jason Robertson. He was a second round guy. Yeah. You know, you, you have you have to get lucky at different points in the draft sometimes too. Guys who just far exceed expectations. It's not. It's a very inexact science. So so obviously those top picks are important. They do increase your chances of you know. But there there's there's more than one one way of getting there. To your point. Yeah, look at Joe Pavelski was taken in the seventh yeah. round in 2003, and he's still getting it done. Like, that guy's amazing, yeah. man. Yeah, that's, that's such a crazy story, too, Jason, because, you know, Pavelski was taken with a pick that originally belonged to the Flyers. Mm -hmm. this, this is one of those things, obviously, even even the biggest retro-drafting people, you know, are, how do you miss Pavelski? How, how the whole NHL miss Pavelski, right? But the whole point was that the, the Flyers, it's one of those things where uh, – you know, they're offered they're offered a sixth round pick for a seventh, a sixth next year for a seventh this year, and nobody even thinks you, those are those are footnote trades, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, Pavelski is Pavelski is the guy that uh, was taken with that pick. The guy, the guy that the Flyers picked was a, a Slovak, Vladislav uh, Skurko, and. He's only notable for one thing. He murdered a referee and buried the body of the forest. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Pavelski's still tipping pucks home. Right, exactly. That's amazing. Well, uh, great visit with Craig, as always. Mm -hmm. um, I love having him on. He's such a great guy, and uh, he's got strong opinions, which we love, and uh, provides us some great content every, every year. Um, so, Bill, we'll put a wrap on it there. Uh, great stuff, as always. Flyers will wrap up the season tomorrow night, and then the real work begins, I suppose. That's, yeah, it's going to be a very busy, very interesting offseason, front office, you know, roster, so on down the line. Scouts, probably, you see some turnover there. It's going to be a very different yeah. 
10 September, for let, sure. Let me ask you the timeline on on the president real quick, because, you know, Fried said that the team wanted to um, name a president of hockey operations, and he used the word expeditiously. Right. But there may be guys that you can't talk to for a while because they're with other teams. Do you expect this to happen rather quickly? I, I, I mean, I would say ideally, no. To me, this is a decision you, you should rush. You should mm -hmm. really talk to all the candidates you've identified as guys who you have interest in and then see where the right fit is. This, this, is, a, this is a critical decision as to where the direction is going to go. And, and as you know, we all said during it too, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a, a group working together. So it has to be somebody who's going to have to be able to work well with torts. Somebody's got to be able to work well with Danny. Someone's going to have to be able to work well with the corporate side because they're a liaison yeah. also in the president's role. Um, you know, like, like years ago when, when Paul Holmgren became team president, you know, Ed Snyder said to him, you know, Homer, I'm not always going to be here. So what I want you to do is I want you to make sure the flyers are always the flyers. How about putting responsibility on somebody's shoulders, right? Yeah. Well, the, this next this next club precedent, it's going to be your responsibility is to remake the Flyers into basically rebuild the brand. Yeah. Uh, so you you better you better consider you know you better consider the candidates carefully and and not rush. Yeah, don't limit your field too because of yeah. a a fault. You know, it's almost a false timeline that you yeah. have to do exactly. it quickly. So we'll see where it goes and uh, we'll, we'll be uh, following it as close as anybody. So uh, rebuild stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com and HockeyBuzz.com. And that'll put a wrap on episode 61, our special edition, along with Craig Button of Stick to Hockey Live. So everybody enjoy the final game tomorrow night. We'll talk to you soon on another edition of Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah.